On August 17th, some five months after schools nationwide abruptly shut their doors due to the coronavirus pandemic, students at Holy Family High School in Broomfield, Colorado, were back. The day had many of the familiar markers of the first day of school. The summer heat that hadn't quite given way to autumn yet, new school supplies, and the familiar hallways, a little bit cleaner than you remembered. But some things were new. For one, everyone was wearing a mask. Those were required now. If you forgot yours at home, Holy Family had plenty on hand and would give you one. A thermal camera at the main entrance quickly scanned students as they entered. Anyone with a temperature reading higher than 100.4 was pulled aside by the school nurse for a manual temperature check with a forehead thermometer. The library, gyms, and theater were all converted into classrooms. A large tent was set up outside for band and choir classes. But one of the biggest changes at Holy Family High School actually wasn't noticeable. I would say the the most important thing is the air uh, and the ventilation within this building. This is Jeff Beaton. He's in charge of communications at Holy Family. We were the um, recipient of a generous gift from a, a donor of Holy Family, which which enabled us to purchase a bipolar ionization uh, unit, which uh, filters out, actually puts uh, ions into the air and uh, attacks particles of bacteria, viruses, etc., and filters them out of the building. Jeff says the decision to invite students back into the classroom wasn't taken lightly. We had worked um, through the better part of the summer um, with a health and wellness uh, advisory committee made up of Holy family parents who are medical professionals and some members of a local health advisory council. Just trying to figure out what are the best safety protocols that, that we can have in place. I mean, you can't eliminate risk, but you can manage risk, and that's what we're doing. This is our back-to-school episode. You'll hear a little more from Jeff at Holy Family about the first two weeks back to in-person learning. We'll talk with the Archdiocese of Denver and another Catholic school system about their decision to reopen schools this fall. They also talk about how they're accommodating families uncomfortable with sending their kids back just yet. Then, many families are trying homeschooling for the first time this year. We'll talk with a few longtime homeschooling families about what new homeschoolers can expect. You're listening to CNA Newsroom, the podcast that brings you the people behind the headlines. I'm Kate Oliveira, I'm a producer for this show, and I'll be your host this week. With the start date of August 17th, Holy Family High School was among the first schools in the Archdiocese of Denver to return to in-person classes this fall. And Jeff says it's going pretty well. That's the one part about this that's been great is that the kids are really respecting all of these new uh, protocols that are in place. One of their biggest challenges is actually after-school pickup. Holy Family now has a staggered dismissal, letting many of its upperclassmen out first, the students with their own cars. So the goal is to get the upperclassmen off the campus, and so mom and dad who are picking up their sons or daughters have um, the space. But there are way more students at after-school pickup because fall sports were canceled. Typically, nearly half of our our students are involved in a fall sport. Um, If you just think of football, for example, of varsity, JV, all the way down to freshmen, all those kids that normally would be after school at practice don't have that. 
And so these kids are all getting picked up now at the same time. So the volume of kids getting picked up at the end of the day is, is fairly significant. And then there's the fact that kids are kids. They want to hang out, catch up. We do try to keep them moving. They are kids. They want to congregate. They want to be social. But they they understand. And we've had communications with the parents that we have to honor our personal role and responsibility in, in protecting ourselves, protecting each other, protecting Holy Family High School. What are you doing on the weekends when you're not here? That is what we saw with you know some of the universities um, and other high schools, frankly, that were in the in the news in the last few weeks of where reopening plans kind of hit some snags in that some of these kids would be you know at large gatherings at parties with no social distancing, no masks. Um, and so we're really trying to hit home with our families that, it's what we're doing here, but it's also what you're doing out there. And, and we all owe it to each other to protect ourselves and protect the high school. Most families at Holy Family High are back for in-person learning. The school has a total enrollment of about 700. Jeff said fewer than 1%, fewer than 10 total students opted for remote learning. And Holy Family coordinated its own remote learning program. Some of our schools have chosen to design their own distance learning option from the first day of school for their own families, um, and that is great. And we would always trust the school to make the best decision for their local level community. Abriana Cellelli is Associate Superintendent of Academic Renewal in the Archdiocese of Denver's Office of Catholic Schools. Many of our schools didn't feel like they had the ability um, or the time or the personnel to really devise a great distance learning option for those families from their school. And we uh, centrally didn't want to ask every school to duplicate efforts in what they were offering. So from the Archdiocese and Lovell, St. Isidore is the option for families who want to choose distance learning. The St. Isidore Catholic Curriculum is a full-time distance learning program for students in kindergarten through eighth grade. The Archdiocese of Denver started developing the curriculum last spring after the coronavirus pandemic closed schools. St. Isidore is a seventh century Spanish saint commonly associated with farming, but he's also the patron saint of technology. So we thought, man, if we are doing so many things now virtually for the time being, uh, we will go ahead and call upon the patron saint of technology and ask for that intercession. Students enrolled in the St. Isidore curriculum sign on at eight every morning to join their school in a prayer to start the day. Prayer is followed by about two hours of 25-minute lessons. Abriana says those lessons are pre-recorded, but they're designed to keep students engaged. There's great instructional strategies of how to make a pre-recorded lessons engaging for a student, not in the not in the realm of entertainment, right, but in the realm of actively asking the student to enter into the learning um, and to respond to the learning. In the afternoon, students meet virtually with a tutor for about two hours. One tutor will work with about five students at a time. The school day closes with a prayer at 2.30. St. Isidore has its own teachers and tutors who are specially trained in digital teaching, but students remain enrolled at their respective schools. What's great is that students can still be enrolled at their local level school. They are still a member of the community and their families are still loved members of the community. And so the extent to which they engage in community activities, going to mass with the school, participating in community activities is up to the family and for them to discern. Each quarter, parents will have the option to pull their students out of St. Isidore and have them return to the physical classroom. 
We don't intend St. Isidore to be a standalone school. Uh, the ultimate goal is for students to matriculate back into their classroom. It's hard to get exact numbers this early in the school year. But based on last year's general enrollment numbers, Abriana estimates close to 10% of students in the Archdiocese of Denver are enrolled in the St. Isidore Catholic curriculum this fall. The schedule for St. Isidore does include about 45 minutes of independent leisure or study time in the late morning, which can be difficult for parents who are working full-time from home. Abriana says the Archdiocese is accommodating parents who reach out directly with scheduling issues. It's a time of definite complication for families, and um, that's real. Um, And it's really difficult to navigate. I have four children myself working full time, three of them in school. Um, It's really difficult to, to navigate all of this. I think this is the beauty of Catholic schools, right? First of all, that we love the members of our community because we see the dignity in them and we see that they're also beloved children of God. And so there's always a willingness to do whatever we can to work with families. And what about families who maybe don't have access to reliable internet or a laptop for their child to use for school? Abriana says the Archdiocese was able to pull together an emergency relief fund last spring. The fund helped provide laptops and internet access to families in need. That's the great thing about the nimbleness of a small archdiocese compared to some of these larger districts. Uh, my heart goes out to them because we're, we are able to coordinate on a, on a bit more of a human level. We have a little bit less of the bureaucracy or a little bit less of the um, structure of a large district that we are able to help families work with their local level schools to borrow technology or to help the family get connected um, with internet if that's the need. It's still unclear what this fall could look like with schools reopening for in-person learning. But Abriana said the mission of Catholic schools continues. It just might look a little different. Primarily and first, what Catholic education is, is a support for parents in their role in the formation of their children. Um, and so did COVID derail that? No, actually, it it made us think differently about how do we continue to support parents who desire support from the church in the formation of their children. We might have masks on, we might have shields on our desks, but the aim doesn't change. Um, and the purpose of our ministry, educational ministry doesn't change. Or maybe parents are choosing the online option that we're offering. The purpose doesn't change to support parents in the formation of their children. Um, just how it's delivered, right? Or how it's presented to students and families is different. Frankie Jones coordinates teaching and learning for Notre Dame Ace Academies, a network of five Catholic schools in Indiana and Florida. When I spoke with Frankie in early August, she was having a really good week. Why? Because some schools were back in session. It was one of the Best weeks I've had since March, you know, I was, I was getting pictures of our scholars back in classrooms and and certainly there is some grieving of um, not having the full school community gathered or knowing that all school mass is going to look different or not be feasible in the near future. There's certainly like moments of grief, but overall, I think it was just uh, a week of hope to be gathered back and to see our scholars back in in our school building. Most of the Notre Dame ACE Academies are back to full-time, in-person learning because enrollment is small enough to meet social distancing requirements. One school in Indianapolis has a hybrid approach, bringing groups of students in for two days at a time. 
That way students and teachers can practice safety protocols that will help them return to the classroom and hopefully stay. Another school placed stickers of elephant and pig tracks along the floors in its hallways to help younger students remember social distancing. They're just truly like, how can we make this not scary for young ones and, and, and just normalize uh, some of these practices so that we can be together? And it's just, it's cool. I, I, feel, I feel very different when I do those interactions than perhaps when I, you know, watch the national news. So it's a good... It's good anchor and hope. All of the Notre Dame ACE Academies are offering remote learning options. And Frankie said some parents are taking advantage of those options, at least for the first quarter of the school year. But Frankie says ACE Academies have prioritized reopening because they believe students do their best learning in person within a community. Certainly you can create community and reveal community virtually. Uh, but we do believe that um, it's a lot easier to kind of make known uh, our belief that we're made for each other when we're in person. Back in March, the pandemic left schools nationwide scrambling to transition from in-person to online learning. And Frankie says ACE Academies were no exception. The schools sent students home with about two weeks of homework. Then teachers and administrators got to work reaching out to families to make sure everyone had the resources they needed to finish the school year online. We were pleasantly surprised. You know, I know one principal in particular had anticipated more families sharing that they didn't have access to reliable Internet. And it actually was not as widespread of a problem as maybe initially thought. So I think just the importance of not making assumptions was something we learned early on and just like not taking for granted that we know the family's needs, and just like constant asking and checking in. After a few weeks, Frankie and her team began to try to imagine the pandemic's long-term effects on ACE Academies. They determined that the pandemic wouldn't affect their mission. We believe all of our students are saints and are called to be saints, and so preparing them first and foremost uh, for a life that is oriented towards good and towards God, and then that they also are prepared academically such that they can make the choice for their long-term vocation and that college is a choice for all. That's always our goal, and I would say that in this pandemic, that has not changed. But the pandemic would affect how they would carry out that mission. It did take a lot of ingenuity and diligence on the part of our teachers to figure out how to cultivate that same kind of culture of care within a virtual classroom. Um, how to ensure that all students' social, emotional, physical needs were being met. Um, I mean, that included teachers early on dropping off meals for a lot of our families. And, of course, figuring out how to teach the same content, but virtually. I will say, there's been some real beauty to the constraint, really kind of honing in on the marrow of the curriculum, what is truly most critical, and then what's the best way to deliver it to students. And some of those lessons that we've learned, we plan to continue. Um, Some of our how has actually improved and we'll continue to implement some of that learning. 2020 has brought a lot of firsts for Frankie and her team. And she says it's been really challenging, but she still has a lot of hope. I don't ever want to run the risk of like downplaying the significant challenges facing families and and facing communities due to COVID-19. And yet um, we, we try and balance how do we acknowledge that? and honor that, but then be people that, that lead with hope. Um, and I think our team, they have really, they've really taken up that charge. So it's been beautiful.
After the break, the pandemic has led a lot of parents to homeschool for the first time. We talk with a couple homeschooling veterans about what new homeschoolers can expect. Stay with us. On Wednesdays, we wear pink. On Mondays, we listen to CNA Newsroom. My name is Carl Bunderson. I'm managing editor at Catholic News Agency. If you're listening to this right now, there's a 30% chance you're already subscribed to CNA Newsroom. It's like I have ESPN or something. But if you're not subscribed to CNA Newsroom, you can't sit with us. CNA Newsroom is available on every podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Search for CNA Newsroom and tap the subscribe button. And while you're at it, leave us a rating and a review. We're not like a regular podcast. We're a cool podcast. Now back to the show. It's funny because I always told like anyone who would listen that I would never homeschool. <laughs> Hannah Goki is a mom of three in Omaha, Nebraska. And this year, well, she's homeschooling. Hannah and her husband David have three kids, but they're homeschooling only their oldest, Kate, who is in the first grade. When we had to switch to remote schooling, she was in kindergarten, so it wasn't super rigorous. So we had kind of thought about it. It's like, okay, well, if this keeps going, are we going to do remote schooling again? Is school even going to offer it? All these sorts of questions. And I would say like late July, the school you know, came out with what their plan was going to be. And it just seemed like homeschooling was going to be a better fit. They aren't using a set curriculum with Kate. Instead, they're kind of piecing materials together, sometimes even using the curriculum at Kate's former school as a guide. Like I just picked the next books up from the math program that she used in her school last year. Hannah joined a Facebook group for homeschooling moms in her city and combed through recommendations for history and science books. I picked a phonics thing and some handwriting that came recommended from a friend. And yeah, so not too, not too formal by any means for us, but I think so far it's going great. Kate's really excited about it. And she is just, you know, she's very pro school in any form. So that's super helpful. So I don't have to do a lot of the motivating. She's really excited. Hannah admits that she had her worries about the switch to homeschooling. But now that they're a few weeks in, she's feeling a lot better. I have hopes that we can make it through this year and we're, we're just learning things together is the way that I try to tell myself because I don't feel qualified as a teacher, but if I put myself mentally in the place of, okay, we're going to just learn these things together and help each other out, it's a lot easier on me. She says she may even consider continuing homeschooling. The thing is, she really likes her daughter's Catholic school. I could, in theory, see myself doing it more long term, but we love our Catholic school. It's attached to our parish. Everyone there was super understanding, you know, when I said that we were going to homeschool. So I'm kind of, I mean, I think we'll have to reassess at the end of the year. I can see us doing it longer, but I do really miss our school. And and Kate talks about how she misses her her friends from school. So I guess we'll just have to see. Hannah talks about her decision to homeschool on social media pretty often, and she says a lot of people have reached out to ask how it's going. I've had some 
old acquaintances or even some of my my mom friends from school saying, oh man, I didn't know you guys were doing this. And there's a couple from our school that have messaged me and said, oh, we're doing homeschool too. I'm so glad we're not the only ones. I think a lot of people are curious because it's such a weird time. I think it's, you know, occurring to people as an option way more than it ever has in the past. And so people are naturally just curious about how it's going and, you know, what are we studying and all that sorts of things. So I'm obviously, I have no, I have no experience, uh, but it's been really fun to just, you know, share what we're doing and get to connect with people that way. This conversation is getting more and more common almost by the day in America. John Clark is a writer and curriculum developer for Seton Home Study School, a Catholic homeschooling program. He and his wife, Lisa, are also longtime homeschoolers. We started homeschooling, I guess, about 20 years ago or so. I guess it has gone pretty well. So (laughs) several of my older children have gone out of college. And um, yeah, that's pretty much been our life. Homeschooling has been a part of John's life since he was in middle school. His mother, Mary Kay Clark, was an early adopter of homeschooling. Today she has a doctorate in education and is director of Seton Home Study School. But when I was growing up, so I'm almost 50, so when I was started to homeschool 40 years ago or so, people had never heard of it. People had not, uh, they'd say, what do, what do you mean? You don't, what do you, you don't go to school? What do you, don't go to school? What do you... <laughs> People weren't too sure about homeschooling back then. And honestly, a lot of people have their concerns even today. One common concern is that children who are homeschooled are isolated or miss out on important socialization. John said that may have been an issue when he was a kid, but not today. In the four decades since then, um, it's really kind of amazing how many homeschooling families have to sort of try to they don't need to look for activities as much as they do to have to curtail them because there are so many things out there. There are homeschool sports leagues. My my oldest son, Athanasius, played on a high school baseball team and they were very successful. In fact, they have a homeschool World Series now. Take a second and let that sink in. A homeschool World Series. My uh, daughters have played in homeschool basketball leagues. You know, they have the art classes. So really... It's not, it's not the world that it was. When I began homeschooling, um, I had the same concerns. My kid is going to, you know, he's going to grow up and he's not going to be social. Rochelle Somerville is a special needs consultant for the Home Legal Defense Association. She and her husband have been homeschooling for almost 14 years. As I got acclimated to the homeschool world, that, that wasn't the case at all. As a matter of fact, I have literally had to pull back from the social activities I had to put more academics into it because it was just too social. There were the sports leagues and learning co-ops and extracurriculars. You look up in two to three days, you're gone out of the house. And that's that's atypical for your for your traditional public school child. And so it, it is completely a myth that homeschoolers are at home educating um, their kids in a box. And what about concerns that homeschooling puts kids at greater risk of abuse? Rochelle says those concerns are well-intentioned, but honestly a little misplaced. Anytime 
children are the topic of conversation. There's always a heightened agenda to make sure that children are protected. And, you know, I love that. I love that. But however, I don't feel that the choice to homeschool justifies any heightened concern of abuse. Um, abuse is not the norm. And the overgeneralized belief that there's some reason for concern is just not true. Um, no more than any other educational setting. I think similar to any other situation, the presumption should always be that in general, parents function with the child's best interests in mind. And that's no different from the parent who chooses to homeschool. Rochelle says one of her favorite things about homeschooling is the flexibility it provides. For one, she can work with her child to develop a curriculum around her child's interests. For example, um, we know that they have to do some type of history, but what specifically they're going to study, they do have some flexibility of choice. And then the format in which they're, they're going to do, you know, are we going to do a unit study where they can put it together? Are they just going to get a textbook where we're just going to read and do lessons from a book? So they get a lot more flexibility. And then, of course, my son, who's in high school, has all the flexibility in the work. Does he want to use a computer-based program? Does he want me to outsource? Does he want to go to another neighboring school? Does he, you know, he ended up doing a couple dual enrollment courses at the university. Rochelle says this flexibility fosters independence. John says it has fostered a love for learning in his own children. So when I see my children going to college, I feel like they've been, they've been a pretty good structure for learning how to learn or how to, how to find the answers to things, knowing where to look. Homeschooling also provides a lot of flexibility with scheduling. A lot of times um, parents need to just hear somebody say, it's not the same six-hour schedule as you were looking at when you were in public school. It doesn't look the same. It doesn't feel the same. Rochelle will be the first to admit that homeschooling her children has had its challenges. But uh, I think I'm going to have to say that teaching my own kids and mentoring families is probably one of the most rewarding experiences of my life. For new homeschooling parents out there, Rochelle recommended tapping into local homeschooling resources to make the transition easier. The homeschool community is a huge community. And so I tell people, don't try to do it yourself. You know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel because there are so many people who are willing to help you. And so that's the biggest thing. If you are doing this for the first time due to the pandemic, you want to find your resources, find the people who can support you through this process. And there are homeschooling programs out there like Seton Home Study School. Sometimes people want, want to put together their own program or buy their, uh, you know, buy books independently and sort of piece together something. And I can see the value of that. But I think to just start out, I think something like the Seton program does make a lot of sense because just for your first year, it, it's going to seem very new. Even those programs can be customized to meet your needs. I think that's a very important thing for parents to uh, remember because a lot of times I think that parents feel like, you know, they have to do exactly as it's outlined. No, we, we've never suggested that they do it exactly because we realize that everybody learns differently and everybody teaches differently. And don't expect it to work out perfectly right away. You'll need time to adjust to homeschooling. And so will your kids. You know, anytime, even as an adult, when you change and start something new, you have to fall into something that feels a little odd. Our kids are the same way. Um, they have to have a little bit of grace to fall into a new schedule. The first time you sit down with them, it's not going to go well. <laughs> Just prepare for that. Look, I mean, you take it one day at a time and and try to develop a strong prayer life or, or try to keep fostering and nourishing the prayer life that you already have. Because as I say, 
homeschooling is about really about bringing the family together and and growing closer to God. Then that's the point of all this, right? It's not necessarily getting great history or getting great at phonics or getting great at economics even. So it's about the family growing closer and uh, journeying to God together. I think that that is how we should look at it because I think if we're looking at it like that, it's no longer about grades, getting an A, which courses. It's a taking a journey together toward God and uh, growing together as a family. And it can be a really beautiful thing as we've learned for the last you know, 20 years. CNA Newsroom is a production of Catholic News Agency, a service of EWTN News. My name is Kate Oliveira. I'm a producer for this show, and I was your host this week. We're produced and edited by me, Kate Oliveira, and our other producer, Jonah McKeown. A very special thanks this week to all of our guests and to you for listening.